Welcome to the Outsiders Podcast, episode seven. We are two white guys talking about race, justice, and Jesus. We are your hosts. My name is Neil Salen. I'm here always with Tyler France. What's going on? What is good, brother? Uh, excited about getting into today's episode and thrilled to be back mm-hmm. uh, with you guys. If you have been supporting and listening and sharing, thank you so very much. Absolutely. Um, we do this because we want to be a blessing to people, and we cannot be a blessing to people unless there are people willing to be blessed. That's That is factual. You know what I'm saying? You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's, that's a good way to put so it. we're just going to jump right into our heart check today and uh, kind of let you know where we're coming from. And uh, Tyler and I both have kind of the same issue that we want to kind of talk about. Tyler yeah. is going to kind of lead us in this uh, heart check segment and uh, kind of let you know where we're coming from today before we ever even get into the topic. For sure, man. Uh, so, you know, we were discussing it earlier. I have seen some videos, heard sermons lately, um, things that have been brought to my attention that I just want to discuss with you and, and you know, through this podcast. Um, you know, Dave Chappelle, who is a famous comedian, he, mm-hmm. he fled to Africa after being offered a ridiculous amount of money. I think it was $50 million Dude. by Comedy Central to continue his, his Chappelle show. show. Right. And he said, nope. Yeah. And so when he got back, man, people were calling him nuts. They yep. were saying, like, man, he's going to be locked up in a mental institution. Like, there's just... They, they literally thought he went crazy. Yeah. And so they said, um, you know, he, he did this interview, did this exclusive interview, and he was quoted in saying, you know, one of the worst things that you can call someone is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then he said, it's dismissive. Right. Right. Um, I have seen that... In, in some, not all, uh, matter, matter of fact, smaller, you know, evangelical right. circles. Right. Uh, but they've kind of latched on to the new crazy mm-hmm. uh, term, which dismisses. And especially when it's dealing with things that you and I talk about uh, sure. on this podcast. Right. Um, and so these new terms, these new blanket terms that they use are um, things like cultural Marxism. Right. And they'll throw out critical race theory. Right. Um, and they will use those things to... Write you off. Write you off. Yeah. And I think and, that's what and Cha- and Chappelle was saying. He was saying that if you, if you call somebody crazy, now you can dismiss them and nothing that they say matters from that point exactly. on. Exactly. And when you use terms like cultural Marxist... Mm-hmm socialist, yeah. throw critical race theory out there. Basically what you're doing is you're you're putting a blanket over a people group or a, over a people, right. and then you can dismiss them as not being worthy of being listened to right. or engaged in, with. In, in evangelical circles, it's you can be disqualified. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. For, for taking a, a stand in, in a way uh, that they don't agree with. Right. And Yeah, in my understanding of this and even in my experience of this what they do first is they label you label you something right cultural marxist um a socialist you know one that uh, ascribes to critical race theory right what i have found is most of them do not even know what those things are they don't eat yeah that's um, true they're just weapons yeah and so I don't know how this weapon should even be used, but I'm going to use it to attack somebody else. So they use it. They I'm using it to attack my brother. Right. So I <laughs> use it to attack my brother and sister in Christ. Right. Um, and then what I, I, I do, the next step is 
And these people that I've just labeled, they're going to undermine the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. And then once I say they're going to undermine the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the next step is, so they shouldn't be teaching at all. Right. And so if you can, you can work through those steps, you can see it happening where it's like, if this person I deem as a problem, then I'm going to throw a name out there. I'm going to dismiss them. I'm going to say that they undermine the gospel. And then I'm going to tell people not to listen to them or, or, you know, go at all where they're going or take them seriously or whatever. And we have both seen sermons, articles, blogs, yeah. Um, interviews where this... prominent pastors. I yes. Mean, people that are very well known that do have a lot of influence. Right. Uh, which is, is why it's, you know, troublesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, that that has been hard. That has been hard to see. And and I think the dismissal of, of somebody's ideas is dangerous in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, especially your fellow brother in Christ. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think it's important to understand grace here. Yeah. Because so many people that are speaking on these things do not even know the people they're speaking about personally. Right. They, they don't, they haven't had conversations with them. Mm -hmm. They haven't um, fully engaged with them and their ideas. And so they're speaking from a level of ignorance. They're straw man in the whole way. In in a debate, what we mean by straw man is basically, let's say I have something against Tyler, right? And, and I have a lot against Tyler, (laughs) but instead of me engaging with, with Tyler directly and, and saying, what do you believe? Where are you coming from? Um, where do you stand? What I do is I basically, I create a straw man. I create a scarecrow. Yeah. I create something that's not Tyler out of beliefs that I have concluded myself, not from anything Tyler said. It's just something that I've kind of created myself. And then I can burn that down instead of Tyler. Right. And so it's a tactic that people use. A lot of times, even unwillingly, uh, unknowingly, they do it. They they create this person that doesn't exist, and then they tear that person apart, and they're not even dealing with the person themselves. And so I've seen that happen. They just lump them in with this idea. Yeah. You're a cultural Marxist. Here's what you believe about these things. Let me tell you what the danger you are, and then let me torch this scarecrow and burn it to pieces, this straw man. And the whole time, you're standing there going, I, I don't believe that. I don't agree with that. Yeah, um, look, let's go ahead and kill that right now. Like, I, I do not agree with Marxism. Right. Right. Now, right. I do not agree with critical race theory. Right. There are parts of critical race theory that yeah. are true. Right. Undeniable. Yeah. And how we use them as Christians is what matters. Right. I, I, and, and we're going to do a whole yeah, we don't want to get series on critical race theory and Marxism mm-hmm. because that I think it'll be very, very important and eye-opening and enlightening. Yeah. And but we we want to be gracious in the way that we conduct ourselves with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. For instance, um, there are prominent pastors that I know they believe certain things about eschatology, about the end times, that I think are detrimental and hurtful to the church of Jesus Christ. Right. I, I believe what they believe and teach about this is not right and it's hurtful. Yeah. What I don't want to do is write that person off and dismiss that person because I have a disagreement about one thing. Mm-hmm. 
And that is what can happen when it comes to this race thing is that we can, we can hear somebody talking and we can not like what they're saying, or we can attribute things to them and misrepresent what they're saying. And now we can write them off on everything. Yeah. And I don't think as brothers and sisters in Christ that we have the privilege to be able to do that. Right. I don't think we have the, uh, the right to do that. And unfortunately, it's being done a lot today. And I think it's just damaging, damaging and divisive, in yeah. my opinion. I agree. And it hurts my heart. It does. Yeah. It's, it, it hurts because some of the people that are getting called out and some of the people that are getting ripped up are people that I have benefited greatly from, listened right. to, read, benefited greatly from. And I think I have a better understanding of what they believe on this issue right. than the people that are attacking them do. Yeah. And so it hurts me to see them being attacked that way. And it's dismissing the the problem in the first place. Yeah. Right. So when you're talking about all that, like it is dismissing the issue. And having to deal with the issue. It right. Yeah. If I if I can just So there's other people that are hurt too. It's not just the person that's representing and, and trying to um, you know, social justice, whatever you want to call it, yeah. right? But they whoever's standing up for racial justice. Um, they're representing people exactly, yes. and those people are getting hurt. Absolutely. So if, if Tyler and I get attacked for this podcast or get attacked for something we say on this podcast and whether it's true or misrepresented or whatever it is, right. the people that we're trying to be an ally for are now indirectly hurt and offended and broken up because they say, well, here are two people that are speaking up on this and look how they're getting attacked. Exactly. So it's not just the person getting attacked. It's also the people they represent That's getting attacked. Perfect way to work. And, and it's being seen as dismissing the entire issue um, completely and not having to address the issue. Yeah. And there are issues that we just have to address, whether they're comfortable or not. And today may not be one that's super comfortable. Yeah. Uh, today absolutely. we are dealing with the the term white privilege. That is not a term that I think most of us like hearing initially, but let's dig into it. Let's find out what it is and whether or not we can be uh, offended by it, we should be offended by it, or whether or not we should embrace it and try to change things. So before we dive into this topic, that is white privilege, I want to first address a little side topic that you know I myself have been accused of. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have too. Yep. Um, and it's especially when I mention privilege. And, and that is white guilt, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, for those of you who are unaware of what it is, white guilt is defined on dictionary.com as the feelings of shame and remorse some white people experience when they recognize the legacy of racism and racial injustice and perceive ways they have benefited from it, okay? So make no mistake, Neil, as I have gone through this journey of educating myself and digging deeper into history, there is a real sense of shame. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Dude, you, like, you no look doubt. at the history, you can't look at the history and not feel some kind of shame. Yeah. Uh, the history of white supremacy in our nation, it's horrific, and I am ashamed that it happened. Amen. Um, but I do not look at my skin pigment and feel shame and resentment towards myself right. for that. 
Right. And and I don't for a couple of reasons, right? So um, I'm, one, well aware that race is a social construct. We talked about that in the yeah. first episode. What is race? Episode one. Go back. Listen to it. Educate. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go check it out. Um, I, I'm not ashamed of being born with white skin. I, I was right. created by God in his image, just whatever, like every whatever other that means being. or doesn't mean exactly whatever, whatever pigmentation you want to call me <laughs> or lack of melanin or whatever. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of whatever amount of melanin God has given me. Right. And, and feeling guilty for how I was created yeah. is pointless. Yeah. And, and I would argue counterproductive. Yeah. Well, and, and it's not proper worship of God either. Exactly. To, to not be thankful for the way that God made you is to not worship God properly. Yeah. And, and number two, it doesn't help anything. No, So I, not I was at all. reading a blog, and it was written by a black woman named Aha Hales, and uh, she put it this way. She said, imagine you're walking through a park in your neighborhood, and you see a stranger who has been beaten nearly to death. You are a good Samaritan, so of course you want to help. But as you look to call 911, you realize you left your phone at home. Mm. You don't know CPR and no one else is around. What is your next step? Maybe you should run to the nearest store or house and ask to use their phone. Maybe you would check to make sure the person is still breathing. Maybe you would check his or her pocket for a phone. Um, But how much time would you spend pacing beside the person as they lay dying, berating yourself for not having your phone and never taking a CPR class? Her point is... None, mm-hmm. right? Because life, it, you ain't got time it's, a, for that. it's a life or death situation. Ain't nobody got time for that. And it's <laughs> it's not about you and your guilt right. is worthless. Right. And that's what she says. And so um, hear me out. Black people do not need our guilt, fellow white people. Yeah, we can't be helpful to anyone if we are feeling so guilty and and shameful right. and berating ourselves that we can't properly love other people. Right. Uh, they don't need us to feel ashamed. It's, it's just pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and honestly, I haven't even met any black person who, who wants me to feel ashamed or wants me no, to denounce no, the, being white or anything yes. like that. I'm like, sure there's extremes on all levels I've of everything. Videos. I've seen videos. Right. There are I've extremes seen. where people do want you to denounce the way that God made you. Um, but my people in my circle? No. They, the they aver- don't The average want black me. person? Yeah. No. They don't want you to be mad that you're the skin color that you are or that you have to feel ashamed or feel guilty or denounce being white. Yeah. Like, there's none, none of that in circles that you actually run in on a day-to-day basis. They celebrate my lack of rhythm and whiteness. Yeah, it's great. I mean, they just, that, that's just <laughs> not the reality that people live in. Right. So, um, but I do know black people who love me and I love them. And these are brothers and sisters that I do life with right. every single day um, that do feel like the playing field is not equal. Right. They, they feel like the playing field is not equal and because of that, I have certain privileges that they don't in our society. Right. And as I have grown in, in history and uh, my knowledge and kind of shed more of inherited ignorance that so many of us have had. That's a good phrase, by the way. We're going we're gonna to probably be able to utilize that phrase that you just said through this entire episode, inherited ignorance. There you go. That's a beautiful phrase that I think, even as I was reading through the notes earlier today, didn't jump out at me the way it just did right there when you said it. This inherited 
ignorance that so many white people have yeah. that prevents us from seeing reality. Right. Um, and I think that's something that, that we need to kind of keep in the forefront of our mind as we move forward in the rest of this episode, talking about the things that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Because not being able to see from other people's point of view, not being able to have empathy from where people are coming from so often comes from this inherited ignorance. Mm -hmm. Because I haven't lived in those situations or I don't understand those situations. I don't even see them. And not seeing them then continues the problem with the playing field not being equal. Right. Right? And yeah. so it continues the issue to the next generation and the next generation. And that's the whole issue of white privilege. Yeah, which, that's where that comes into play right exactly. now. Exactly. And so, and so dictionary.com, I'm, I'm on that side. We're, lot, you, we're using dictionary.com. <laughs> free, uh, free advertisement for dictionary.com. There you go. Sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> defines white privilege as the unearned, mostly unacknowledged social advantage white people have over other racial groups simply because they are white. No, please right. don't tune us out. Don't get offended. Let's unpack this together. Right. Yeah. Okay? Let's, let's, let's just kind of learn together here. You don't know where we stand on this right now. Right. So let's talk about it. Right. Okay. Don't tune us out just because we read a definition. Yes. <laughs> From dictionary.com. <laughs> From dictionary.com. <clears throat> Free advertising. Now, many people hear this phrase and they just stop listening. Right there. It just they, ends. They get offended. They tune us out. Yep. And Every explanation that follows, I, I just, like I said, just don't tune us out. Let's hear it. Let's see what we got. Especially if you're a Christian. Okay. Yeah. Right? Especially if you're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. 100%. We, we have been called right. to love people properly. Right. And what we believe and what we're going to try to demonstrate is that understanding white privilege properly will help you love people better. Right. So please don't just tur turn us off right now. Yeah. Because we think this will be an aid to help you love people better. Exactly. So white privilege does not mean that you were born with a silver spoon. Yeah. I repeat, yeah. white yeah. privilege does say. not mean that you were born with things being easy. Let's, yeah, let's just stop right there for a second, Tyler. I have been accused yes. of believing in white privilege, and I have been accused of being white privileged because I am in a middle-class family. Right. Okay? The amount of wealth you have, mm -hmm. for the most part, really doesn't have a lot to do with white privilege. No. Um, it may, right. but it doesn't usually it have... It trickle a, into that, yes, but it but doesn't. It, but it doesn't. Right. You can, you can be a poor white person mm -hmm. and benefit from white privilege. Yeah. So it is not about the amount of money you have. Right. That's not what we're talking about here. It does not mean that you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. There you go. And that life has been easy. Let me yeah. repeat. It <laughs> does not mean that right. you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth and that life has been easy for you. Right. That is not what we're addressing here. Um, it, it doesn't mean that you didn't have obstacles that right. you had to endure uh, or that you haven't worked hard yes, and earned what you have. Honestly, it's not even an attack on you. It is not saying that, right. that you are doing this consciously and that you are just taking advantage. Right. And like, Well, if you go back to the, to the, to the definition that you gave from dictionary.com. Let me read that again. Defines white privilege as the unearned, mostly unacknowledged. unacknowledged. 
Social so, advantage. Yes. So this is usually right. unacknowledged, something that we don't even think about. It's not something that we sit back and go, I'm going to use my white privilege to my advantage today. How can I attack people? Right. Um, no, that just makes you a racist. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So then that's not what we're saying here. Right. So please kind of understand where we're coming from. It, it, it doesn't simply, it simply means there are advantages that white people have in society. Yeah that those in minority groups do not have. Right. Okay? That's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. Um, and they're unacknowledged for the most part. Yeah, I mean, and some of them are so minor that we've never even thought of them. Not, not only do we not acknowledge, like, we just don't eat, it's not right. even on our they radar. They go by day to day, they fly right by us, and we don't even think about it. So we've never, I've never personally thought of Band-Aids that don't, you know, match my skin. Right. Like, Band-Aids have always matched my skin color. Right. They've been a little tanner than yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, but usually their Band-Aids are the color of what the average white person looks like. Right. Right? Um, as, a, as a white person, check this out. You are more likely to be taught by someone who looks like you. 80% mm -hmm. of teachers and 84% of full-time college professors in the U.S. are white. Right. Yep. And... You don't think about that if you're white. You don't right. see them as, you know, this is my white professor. Yeah, you don't walk. You don't walk into class and who go. Who influences me, by the way? Oh yeah, but you don't walk into class and go, oh, a white professor, right? A white teacher, right? You don't do that because the the norm right. is white teachers. Yeah. Um, now a black student walks into a classroom and there's a black teacher. Mm -hmm. There is going to be like, oh wow. I've got representation here in this class. I'm going to be learning from an African American, right. and all the studies that have been done, by the way, not we're going to do not do a huge deep dive on education, but all the studies that have been done, by the way, say you benefit better from learning from the people that are like you. Yeah. So it it we don't think about it as white people, but the truth is is that we have had a privilege of the majority of white people being taught by white people. Yeah. Which is not a privilege that African-Americans have had. Yeah, and there was a, there was a 2018 study uh, that found that the overwhelmingly majority of children's books were, were written by and about white people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so even children's books, a, a little black kid can come in to a library and pick up some children's books, and, and the representation that is there for the most part is is going to be are, is going to be people, people they, that they do not look, look like, like him, him right so he her. doesn't have representation in that way right um and that and and representation is again it's something that we don't think about right until someone begins you know discussing it or whatever but you know representation is well until you're not represented you don't right. think about it until you're not represented right then all of a sudden it, it's a big deal so um as a white person, I have grown up in a culture where I see myself represented everywhere. Yeah. Um, from the time I was small, we just said books represented me. Books represented my sister. And and do books influence you? Well, yeah. Books exactly. Influence you massively. So you're influenced by things that are not represented by right. you, and maybe yeah. Right. And and we didn't cut you off. No. Yeah. And but we've had the privilege of of living in a culture where we're always represented, where white people are represented. Yeah. Um, some other stats, 91% of people who created new TV shows mm. um, in the 17, 18 season were white. 
Yeah. 79% of U.S. publishing staff are white. Mm-hmm. Um, and just 16 of 2018's 100 top grossing films were directed by black people. Yeah. Um, which was a record high, by the way. Yeah. But still a small, small number uh, compared to the overall. And so representation has always mattered. Uh, mm-hmm. Disney, for instance. Oh, yeah. Um, now, they've done a great job of yeah. kind of fixing this, but Disney, Absolutely. for instance, forever, what color were all the princesses? White. Right? I think the first... Um, like Snow White. I think the first one was Snow White, and I think she. I think that was like 1928, yeah. I think, when the first one was made. Yeah. And it was not really until Jasmine and Mulan in the 90s yeah. that any representation happened uh, of non-white and I would say Mulan. Disney Jasmine Prince. was still, she looked white. Like yeah, they, her, they, her face. They kind of whitewashed. Like, they kind of whitewashed her. Our Arabian princess there. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, then, then, then you had Mulan come along who was Asian. Right. And then you had Tiana. And I remember when, when Disney came out with Princess and the Frog, which is, by the way, my favorite Disney movie ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe it's because I love black people so much. <laughs> I, just, I just love Tiana. But that she was... So important yeah. because now little girls had a Disney princess that looked like them if they were black. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. It's huge to be able to see a Disney princess and say, mommy, she's got skin like me. Yeah. Because think about it. Think if you're black and you're admiring Disney princesses, yeah. which all black little girls probably did. Right. Well, if you're black and all the princesses aren't. Right. I can't be a princess. Yeah. I'll never be able to I don't fit that. I don't don't fit fit the look of what princesses look like. And then all of a sudden you have Tiana show up and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. No, I am a princess. I'm like Tiana, mom. And that that is so massively important when it comes to representation in TVs, in books, in movies. And and here's, maybe this is the the rub here Mm -hmm. when it comes to white privilege. Mm. I have never in my 42 years of life looked in the mirror in the morning getting ready and wondered what will my skin color, how will my skin color impact my day? Right. That has never happened to me. Yeah. I have never had that happen. I don't know a black friend of mine who hasn't at some time or another, um, Oh, on a daily basis wondered what, what, how, what kind of impact will my skin color have on me today? Right. And that is something that, when we speak about white privilege, that's what we're talking about. There are things that black people have to think about that white people have never had to think about, and they do it on a daily basis. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? I was watching a sermon and uh, a speech, and, and this guy was talking about being left-handed, and he was just like, mm. you know, I, he's like, raise your hand if you're right-handed. Mostly. Everybody sure. in the congregation, right? Yeah. And then he was like, you know, raise your hand if you're left-handed. Few. Mm-hmm. Now, my wife's a lefty, so she can relate to this. Um, but the, for the most part, our world is, is for right-handed people. Mm-hmm. We live in a right-handed world. We're, we're in a, we have a right privilege. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, I mean, it is, <laughs> that's a great way. That. But that, I, I wish I did. I didn't, but that's that. a great way to, to think about it. Yeah. I mean, so th- for the most part, the, their world has, has been, or like our world has been a right-handed world. It's, right. it's for people that are right-handed and left-handed people have had to adjust. Uh-huh. They've had to, to make certain things. Right. And so, um, does that mean that that's necessarily wrong? No, because most people are right. Right. Well, and there was certainly nothing wrong with being born right-handed. Exactly. Right. Right. And so 
so you you kind of go that path and you see white privilege now and you and you mm-hmm. kind of look at it and it's like okay yeah America for the most part is white yeah. and and it it, it was certainly has set a up history, that way <laughs> has a history where it has been set up that way right and so you start thinking about it and you know yeah it makes sense mm-hmm. that that would happen and you were talking about you know looking in the mirror and stuff and I I actually have had that experience but it's whenever I'm like going to a black barbecue or something. Right. 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 Where I'm, you're going to be the only white I'm dude the only there. white person. And I look at it and I'm like, how are they going to feel about me? Like, what am I going to, mm-hmm. like, how am I going to have to adjust to, to fit in better? Right. You know, still be me. Right. But fit in better. Yeah. Um, my, my black friends have, and they have to do that every day. Dude, they have to do it every single day. They have and, to do it every day. And they have to have different voices. Yeah. Like that happened for you, that happens for you in a in a small minority of situations where you have to think. Oh, yeah. you have to I, think I got about, a taste of it. I got, right. I got like a little glimpse of it. And you have to think I'm, about how am I going to act in this situation? How right. am I going to come across in this situation? How am I going to assimilate right. to this black culture that I'm at at this barbecue? Yeah. But our black every neighbors single day. have to do it every day. They they wonder every day, how, do, how am I going to assimilate into the situation I am today? Yeah. You know, one of the eye-opening things for me um, in college was seeing the transformation of how um, my basketball team yeah. happened. So when I came in as a freshman, we had more white people on the team than black people. Mm. And so some of my black friends, I would see the way they kind of acted when they were around most of the other white teammates. Well, by the time I was a senior, we had more black teammates. Mm-hmm. I had more black teammates than I did white teammates. Mm-hmm. And our the culture of our team was radically different in the way that those black players interacted with one another. Right. And so what it revealed to me is that, man, when when black people are in, are in predominantly white spaces, yeah. they feel like they can't be themselves. Right. They feel like they can't express themselves the way they would. You know, they they laugh at a joke one way about around white people, but they, you know, black people beat each other up when they're laughing hard at it, something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they yeah. start pushing each other, they start grabbing, right. you know, they and and I saw that and I'm like, man, they they didn't feel comfortable enough. To be, to be themselves. To be like themselves to be in this situation. Are. Because they right. were wondering, how is my black skin impacting this situation? Yeah. We may have those situations every once in a while for white people. Happens every day for black people. Yeah. I've I've never heard that I'm I'm pretty smart for a white person. Right. Like, I've never heard yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. You're smart you're smart for a for a black guy. Or, or man, you man, you are you you're, can, like, you're articulate. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, I mean, I, I'm so surprised you're, you're articulate and you're a black person. Or, you know what? You're pretty. You're pretty for a black girl. Man, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, though, and so those kinds, those are the kinds of things we're talking about, and right. it can go, it and it does go very, very deep. It does, right? Social just, uh, criminal justice, criminal justice system, yeah. um, education. I mean, it goes very, very deep. But we just want you to understand from the get go here that. That there is a privilege mm-hmm. because things are centered a certain way. I, I, I mean, take history for the way history is taught. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, there are things you've been taught on this podcast that you've never heard in school. Right. Um, we had to create an entire month for black history because black history wasn't being taught properly in our school systems. So yeah. we had to come up with a whole month set aside to make sure that it, that it gets taught properly. Right. Now, what we would love to see is that for history to be taught properly every single month so we don't have to have a Black History Month. Right. Um, but until we're going to make those changes... So again, I've learned history from a white perspective. Yeah. I've learned about my white history 
so many black kids didn't learn about their black history. Yeah. They didn't learn about the great blacks that yeah. came before them. And again, just another example of the privilege that white people have had that has not been afforded to African-Americans for the most part. Absolutely. And that, uh, again, we're not trying to condemn anybody. Yeah. We're not saying it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, we're saying this is the social structure of our nation. Right. Are we getting better? Yes. Right. Um, Disney did start representation. Mm-hmm. Movies are thinking about it. Yeah. Um, people are thinking about the way to teach history, hiring practices, criminal right. justice. Things are moving forward, but the job is not done. Right. And the privilege still exists. And we just want to be aware of that privilege. And we want to be aware as Christians how we are to view this thing moving forward so that we can be the best allies of human beings and image bearers of God that we can possibly be. So as we move into our theological segment, one of the most debated things when it comes to race is the idea of systemic racism, or uh, some people call it corporate racism. And here's the premise of systemic or corporate racism. The premise is, is that there is individual racism that people knowingly perpetrate against other people. So we all know there are individual racists that are just flat out racist. They're not, they're not even trying to hide it. They're racist and they perpetrate acts of injustice and racial actions against other people. Right. But social or systemic or corporate racism says there's also social structures that are unfairly oppressing people of color and that the dominant racial group in our context, Mm -hmm. white people, right. Participate in those structures and benefit from them, even if ignorantly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are structures that have been set up. There are situations, there are systems that exist that disadvantage African Americans and people of color. Right. And the dominant racial group, which is white people in our culture and our society, we benefit from those things most of the time without us even knowing that we're benefiting from them. Um, We participate in them even if it is ignorantly. So a person may not be an individual racist, Mm -hmm. but there is a responsibility that they have to dismantle the systems and the structures that are unjust. Mm. So here's the question. Is that true? Mm. Is it true that there are systems and structures and so, social um, norms that have been set up that need to be addressed yeah. and that I, as a white person, have participated in and things that are unjust. Is it true that these exist? Now, I think it is. I would say yes. I know that, Tyler, you think it is. Right. Now, what I want to do is I want to go to the Bible. Yeah. And I want to demonstrate biblically how this relates to white guilt, how this relates to white privilege, Mm -hmm. and to demonstrate that this is true. So the Bible, when it speaks of sin, it speaks both of individual sin and of corporate sin. Mm -hmm. It speaks of corporate responsibility and individual responsibility. Now, we as Westerners, especially 
citizens of the United States of America, mm-hmm. we easily understand individual sin. We mm-hmm. got no problem understanding that. We're right. like, yes, individual sin, we get it. I have sinned. I paid this price for this. And right. This is. Yeah. Yes, this There's is the consequence. for this. Yeah. Right. So we get the, the individual sin. Right. But corporate sin or corporate responsibility is not something we think about very often, mm-hmm. if at all. Right. We certainly don't seem to think that we have a responsibility mm. to fix anything if we haven't personally caused it. Right. This is where you get the the argument of, well, I I didn't own slaves. I didn't, you know, I wasn't back around. I right. wasn't around back then. I wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And so I have no responsibility of anything today. Right. Right. Because I didn't personally, I'm not a personal individual racist. So therefore I don't have any responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think the Bible addresses this very clearly. First, one of the tenets of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are corporately guilty of sin because we are in Adam. By one man's sin. Right. Yep. So, so before I flesh this out in Romans 5, I just want to make it very clear. Adam's sin, mm-hmm. I did not do it. Right. Tyler, you, I don't think you were in the Garden of Eden. You did not pull... You don't know me. You, you don't know me, man. You did not get deceived by Satan. Right. You did not take the fruit from Eve. You did not pull the fruit out of the tree. I did not blame Eve. You did not blame Eve. So you, you did not have any personal connection with that sin. Yet the Bible says, because of Adam's sin, you are a sinner. Mm-hmm. So there is this idea of corporate sinfulness... Mm-hmm that you didn't personally do. So in Romans 5, this is where it lays it out clear. There are four verses I want to mention. One is verse 12. Just as sin came into the world through one man and Mm -hmm. death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Verse 15, many died through one man's trespass. Verse 16, judgment after the trespass brought condemnation to all. Verse 18, One trespass led to condemnation for all men, verse 18. Mm -hmm. So in God's economy, right? Mm -hmm. In God's culture, in God's structure, Mm -hmm. Adam's sin condemned me. Right. Adam's sin brought judgment upon me. Adam's sin brought death to me. I didn't do that. Right. But I am responsible as a part of this corporate humanity, mm-hmm. I am re- responsible and held responsible by God in this way. A lot of times it's called federal headship, right? right. So right. Adam is the federal head of humanity. So because Adam is guilty, all of humanity is guilty. Mm-hmm. There's other places in the Bible where this idea of corporate sin is addressed. In Daniel mm-hmm. chapter 9, verses 3 and 5, yeah. Daniel is praying and repenting for the sins of the people of Israel and his ancestors, even though he did not individually commit the sin. So Daniel didn't commit the sin that his ancestors committed, Mm -hmm. yet he is praying and repenting for the sins of the people as a corporate body. Yeah. Even though he didn't individually do it. Yeah. Joshua chapter 7, there's a man by the name of Achan. This Mm -hmm. may be the most shocking of all these stories. Yeah. So Achan was a man who took plunder in Joshua chapter 7 from a defeated enemy of Israel. Now, this was disobedience to God because he was told, Israel was told, do not take anything from the enemy. Destroy it all. Achan takes some of the the loot, takes some of the 
the treasures mm -hmm. back to his tent and buries them and hides them. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously God knows about it. He reveals it to Israel and his whole entire family is executed for his personal sin. Right. His parents didn't take it. Right. His brothers and sisters didn't take it. His children didn't take it. His wife didn't take it. But the entire family is now judged for his sin. And, and we get that this is uncomfortable, but this is not our opinion. This is the this word is of God. This is what God did. Joshua says. Yes, this is what God did. Yeah. Um, again, people that are not Westerners, they got no problem with this because mm -hmm. they are very community, family oriented. Right. In the West, we're very individualistic. Right. Um, Non-Western countries don't have any problem with this. This is how their societies. Yeah. In other words, they 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 really understand this. We're the ones that have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. But but here's what God was basically saying by condemning the whole family. God sees our character and our actions. God sees them as not just the result of personal choices, mm. but that our character and our actions are influenced by our family and our community. Right. So, and we all know this to be true, yeah. right? We all know that we are a byproduct mm -hmm. of the society we live in. We're a byproduct of the family we grew up in. Yeah. And that doesn't mean God can't change hearts, but it does mean that, that we are shaped and formed and influenced personally yeah. by the family or community we live in. And we have inherited ignorance. And we have and inherited ignorance. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what this means for Achan. Achan's family was deeply involved in the man he became. Yeah. They were not innocent in that regard. Right. They didn't do the individual sin, right. but something went wrong in that family where they didn't honor Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Achan was raised in an environment where not honoring Yahweh was an okay thing to do. Right. I can go take this stuff and I can hide it out and God will never find out and we'll be rich beyond our wildest imaginations. God, though, yeah. saw that the whole family was responsible and accountable to God for his attitude. Right. This gives us an understanding of how God views mm. justice. Yeah. God sees it both as a personal responsibility and as a community, family, social responsibility. Yeah. God sees personal responsibility and social structures. Yeah. The family of Achan, that structure, that social mm -hmm. structure mm -hmm. was bad. Right. And God condemns all of it. Right. Um, there are other texts. So, Do, so real quick. No, let's, go ahead. Linger. Uh, so uh, in our context, what we're talking about right. here, let's relate that to that. Right. I have never owned a slave. Right. I have never, as far as I know, have, have never treated anyone, I've never perpetrated racial actions mm -hmm. toward anyone mm -hmm. that I know of. Yeah. Not saying that I would, couldn't have been willfully ignorant, right. but not that I know of. That does not mean that I have, grown in a, grown, have not grown up in a society where those things exist and I haven't done anything about it. Yeah. I haven't Absolutely. tried to change it. I haven't tried to adjust. Yeah. I haven't tried to call it out. Right. I haven't tried to fix it. I'm just a byproduct of my society, and I've just rolled with it. And other people have perpetrated violence yeah. uh, and racism. I mean, just look at it this way. When an overt racist mm -hmm. does a racist thing, 
Should not our whole nation mourn over that? Yeah. That in our culture, right. we have allowed this person to grow up among right. us and it never be squashed. Yes. Right? Right. And so there is a sense in which... Yes, I'm not guilty of the of the sin that he committed, yeah. but that I'm accountable in this society to speak out and not let a racist feel comfortable exactly. being a racist. Yeah. To yeah. create an environment where those things are marginalized and where those things are are hated and mm. spoken against, just like if Aiken's family would have created an environment where Yahweh go. was honored, Aiken wouldn't have felt near Amen. as comfortable going and taking stuff and burying it in its tent. Amen. Yeah. So um, there are other texts like this, right? Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy chapter 23, 2 Samuel 21. God holds nations and people responsible for sins after the individual sinners have died. Yeah. So after the individual sinners have died and God still holds the nation accountable. The book of Proverbs um, lets us know that there are unjust social structures that can be set up. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, the book of Proverbs, no doubt, lays out that you can be poor because of a lack of individual responsibility. Right. If you're lazy and you don't work hard, you can be poor. Mm -hmm. And it is your fault, right? You're responsible for it because you were lazy and you didn't work hard and you slept in and you didn't put forth effort. However, the book of Proverbs also talks about poverty as being a result of judicial systems that were corrupted, that favored the powerful uh, and the rich over the poor and needy, Mm. business practices that manipulate prices, Mm. and unfair labor structures. So what, what happens is, is that the book of Proverbs does not reduce the problem of poverty to just one or the other, to, to just individual responsibility. Right. It says, yes, there is individual responsibility, but there's also a responsibility of the corporate to make sure the systems and, and the structures are set up in such a way that they're going to hurt the poor and the needy. Right. So it's not reducing it simply to one another. Now, there is no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, as we just said, we have racists in this country. Yeah. Individual racists who are knowingly racist. Right. But we, as we have discussed on this podcast, sinful human beings set up this country. Yeah. And while we love the Constitution and we love um, the, do- the original documents, yeah. okay, they're better than the men mm-hmm. who wrote them. Right. Those men who set up this country were sinful. Yeah, and they and they set it up to benefit themselves, right? White (laughs) Anglo Europeans, and they were white Anglo Europeans. They set up this country to benefit themselves. Yep, and those people were white Anglo Europeans. Yep. Some of these structures have been dismantled. Yeah, racism, racism, slavery, (laughs) slavery. Yeah, dismantled. Right. Um, the lack of voting rights. Right. Um, Really, the outright ones. Right, yeah, like the, uh, the ones that aren't just so the Jim blatant. Crow laws yeah, that we talked right, exactly. about, Jim Crow laws, yeah, they've been eliminated exactly. But due to the nature of the system, blacks and other people of color have been disadvantaged. Yeah. So you may not have committed any personal racist action toward another person, right? But you may have been involved in a system that disadvantaged African Americans. Yeah. Let me give you some examples. So. The way public education works in this country, it is based largely on local property taxes. Right. Um, 
So if you live in a affluent, rich, wealthy um, neighborhood, your property taxes are going to be high and a lot of money's coming in, mm-hmm. which means rich communities have a lot of resources for their schools. Right, right. Poor communities have fewer resources mm-hmm. and lower quality schools, which reinforces the poverty in the neighborhood, right. which leads to fewer resources, which leads to bad education, right. which leads to more poverty, right. which leads to fewer resources, and you uh-huh. see the cycle, right? Yeah. You see the cycle. So, Which, if you want to get deep, can go into crime, can go into absolutely, all types of things. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and since the poverty rate for African Americans is twice that of the population as a yeah. whole, mm-hmm. the, syst- the system of school funding Disappro- disappropriate oh. disproportionately disproportionately gotcha. Gotcha. traps communities of color <laughs> and that doesn't mean that that there aren't exceptions yeah but it, it that is one of the systems that can be fixed and some presidents and legislations have tried to fix it um to one degree or another yeah um and so the education system would be a, a, a one example of a system that can do a better job of making sure we don't disadvantage people. Yeah. Uh, now, Tyler, you went to a public school. I did. Right? Uh, your parents pay taxes. Yeah. I pay taxes. Um, I didn't go to, I went to a private school, but you went to a public school. Mm-hmm. You didn't personally do anything sinful by going to a public school and bit uh, it, I wouldn't say that. Bit it, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not, just by going <laughs> by there, going right? There, I'm just kidding. I'm so, sorry. So that's not what we're, again, that's not what we're talking about. Exactly. Um, We're talking about a structure that has been set up and we need to evaluate whether or not that structure disadvantages people. Yeah. And if it does, then, then we need to go where that leads and we need to help the people that that disadvantages. Right. Uh, Here's another less formal, uh, but no less problematic example. So Mm. when you own a business, uh, let's say you start a business. Uh, and you begin wanting to hire people. All the statistics say that you hire people that you either know or people you know who know people, mm-hmm. right? Since most of our informal relational networks, most of our relationships stay inside our racial or class group, that means that people in power hire others in their race or class group. Mm-hmm. So if I start a business and I want to hire people, I'm going to reach out to people I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, statistics say the people I know are going to be middle-class white people. Mm. So guess who gets the jobs for my business? Middle-class white people. Middle-class white people. Mm-hmm. While qualified people of other races and groups have no way in, right? They, they, and again, it may not be something as a business owner that I did on purpose. Mm. I just reached out to people I knew. Right. And they reached out to people they knew. Yeah. It wasn't like we were like, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make sure that our company is all white. Yeah, we're going to exclude right. anybody. Yeah. But the structure can still be set up to disadvantage African-Americans, yeah. even uh, unwillingly. Um, there's a story that Tim Keller shares about a, um, about a man in his church when he was in, I think it was Kentucky, when he was in Kentucky, there was a, a member of his church who owned car dealerships, multiple car dealerships. And... Um, Somehow along the way, I don't know exactly how it was brought to his attention. It, um, he began looking at the statistics of who buys cars in his dealerships and what kind of deals they get. Yeah. And here was his conclusions. 
if you are a white male, you get the best deal. Yeah. Then black males, then white females, mm -hmm. then black females. Mm. So he saw that the people that came into his companies to buy cars, that black females were taken advantage of over white males, for instance. Right. And he saw this and it shocked him yeah. and broke his heart. Absolutely. Here is the company that he started or he owns mm -hmm. and they are disproportionately disadvantaging black females. Right. So he changed the entire structure of how they sold their cars. Yeah. He went into the system right. that he was responsible for and right. he said, we're going to fix this. Yeah. Amen. Um, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It wasn't something that he willingly did. He didn't have his car dealership set up to take advantage of black women. Yeah. But it was happening. Right. Under his watch. And he saw the responsibility he had, even though it was unwilling, even though yeah. it was ignorance, that the reason that it was happening. Right. He saw a responsibility. I have the ability to try to fix this thing. Right. And... I'm going to do everything I can to try to fix it. Yeah. So, so we're not saying that, that, you know, our white skin has made us, uh, inherently guilty. That's the word. So, <laughs> yeah, what, so what we're saying is that we, we've benefited from ripples of a system that had a rock of racism thrown in it. Yeah. We, and, and so the ripples are still out there and they're affecting people. Yes. Yeah. This is the analogy we used either last ep at last episode of the episode before last, this country had a rock of racism dropped in it. Yeah. Right? Slavery. Right. Boom. Boom. Yeah. You're not human if you're black. Mm. Uh, unless you are white, you're just not a human being. Right. Yes, we the, the rock has, has sunk has to removed. the it's, it's, it's been gone. sunk to yeah. the like the bottom or we right. took it out or whatever, whatever. right? Yeah. The rock is gone. But the ripples mm -hmm. that that rock created mm -hmm. still are are with us. Yeah. And so the structures and the systems have to always be evaluated to say, is this system a result yeah. of the rock being dropped? Yeah. Is, is, it, is this a ripple of a problem? Mm. And if it is, how can we fix it? Mm. So please hear what Tyler just said. He is not saying that our white skin, white people, is what made us inherently guilty of personal sin. Right. Your white skin has not made you personally guilty of any individual sin. Yeah. What we are saying is that we have benefited from systems and structures that are the ripples of it. Yeah. And we need to evaluate there. And, and, and there may be things that I, as a white anti-racist, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. that I may be unintendingly a part of yeah. things that I have, have done that I didn't intend to do. It didn't right. intend to participate in structures like that, right. but I may be living in them and I have a responsibility to evaluate those things. And, and I like that you said responsibility. You're, you don't, you're not guilty. Like you don't have a guilt right. to do. You don't have this white guilt on you that, that right. is forcing you to, you understand what is happening? Right. And you say, okay, I have a responsibility yeah. to reverse this. And and look, let's look at this from a biblical point of view. Does God want us to live a certain way out of guilt? No. No, he does not. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Amen. It is not, it's Romans 8 1. It is not about 
being motivated by guilt. Right. It is being motivated by love. Amen. When I know that there are things that can disadvantage people of color in this country, I don't wallow in the guilt as a motivating factor to fix them. Yeah. I, I'm motivated by love. Amen. And if I have privileges that are mine because of my whiteness, mm-hmm. right? And right. the system that is a, it's a norm to be white. Right. Then I want to use those privileges mm-hmm. to benefit those who do not have them. Right. Out of love, not guilt. Right. So listen to what we're saying. You are not guilty because you're white. Right. But you have a responsibility, mm-hmm. a lovingly a loving, loving responsibility yeah. Yeah. to love people. Yeah. And if there are systems and structures that have been set up, if there are ripples that exist, mm-hmm. we want to get rid of those ripples in love. And it is only through the gospel of Jesus Christ that those things can be done appropriately. So we've pretty much gone over the application for the most part. Yeah, we've already uh, given a lot of application. We've given a lot of application, but as always, we'd like to focus and kind of bring it back to the gospel. Amen, yeah. Um, the gospel is is why Neil and I do what we do. That's right. It is the whole, it, it is the answer to mm-hmm. every problem that we can present. Yeah, without without that as the foundation, we're not going to get it right the way we should. Yeah. We're just so. Not. Again, like good Baptist preachers, we have three little points here. Three. One, two, three. Um, and the first one, man, the gospel remedies our pride to think that it is not us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I think we. Um, it's very easy for our flesh to rise up and be like, I can't be right. a problem in this. Yeah. It can't be me. That's not me. Yeah, yeah. that's that's not me. That's not, um, and I'm not saying it is right. you personally, whoever's right. listening to this. Um, but I think what the gospel does is it remedies us of that pride to say it can't be right. Like we, we know we're sinners who have been saved by grace. Absolutely. We know what we're capable of in and of ourselves. Yeah. We know what our sin does if we're not walking in the spirit. Mm -hmm. So the gospel should get rid of the pride to say, I'm not capable of perpetrating racism individually or, and I'm not responsible for trying to fix it. Corporately, and we know that because the gospel transformed us. Yeah, absolutely. So we know what we were before then. Yeah, and so we know that we're not above anything, right. really. Right, absolutely. Um, and so the gospel transforms that. That's number one. Yep, the gospel remedies our pride to think that we have all this figured out, and everyone is just stupid and wrong. That's right. Yeah, no, uh, we as people who are studying these things, mm. if you're listening to this podcast. Um, if you read books on this issue, you're probably at least interested in learning and knowing more and growing and trying to to be an aid and a help, yeah. to be an ally yeah. for African Americans. It is very easy when we learn anything, when we study anything, mm. to let that knowledge puff us up. Yeah. Right? Knowledge without love puffs up. Yeah. Somewhere in the Bible it says that. Um, Dude, it's funny. It's just a quick little side note. Um you know, I, I went to Criswell for a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, kind of know a lot of seminary students and stuff and was one myself a little bit. But um, <laughs> it's funny because in high school, man, we used to clear the cafeteria when there was a fight. 
or something, right? Like there was this, if, if somebody got into a discussion and they wanted to fight or whatever, then the cafeteria would just kind of surround them and stuff. Just get out the way. They do that at seminaries with debates. Right. It is the dumbest like thing I've ever around. seen in my life, but they will <laughs> get around. I mean, you'll have like Arminian Calvinism debate. Right. And it's like this fight. Right. And it's just, and what, what is so obvious is that it's just so full of pride. Yeah. And it's so full of of that and the gospel takes that from you. Yeah. The gospel says this is not your truth. Right. This is not your truth. This is right. this is God's truth. Yeah. And you're to be careful with it. And and you anything that you learn is being taught to you. Right. Yeah. You didn't just wake up one day and know stuff. Yeah. It's being taught to you. You've either read it or you heard it on a podcast. So you heard it in a sermon. Right. So yeah, you should be humble right. to know, man, I learned this, so I'm not going to be hateful to people who don't know it yet or to people who aren't where I am or to people, you know, it's like, you know, the term woke, right? So I'm woke and you're not, so what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, no, no, the attitude should be, here's things I've learned. Now, how can I be used to help teach other people? Yeah. Right, and that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. We hope never to come across as arrogant or, yeah. or you know, puffed up. We're trying to come across or as, like we have everything figured out. No, no, we're learning and we're growing, you know, along with our audience. And so we we're not trying to to come across that way. What we're trying to do is say, here's some things we've learned, and so how can we be loving and helpful to teach these things so that other people can learn and grow, and we can do this thing together. And so the gospel reminds us. Yeah. Um, of how we are nothing apart from Christ. Amen. And um, we don't have all this figured out. We yeah. see through a mirror dimly yeah. um, one day face to face. Absolutely. Praise God for that. I, I love this third one. Gospel lifts up the oppressed to remind them they are children of the king and heirs of his kingdom. People who have experienced oppression, yeah. um, who are the outcasts, the marginalized, the poor, the needy, um, the gospel of Jesus Christ gives you an identity yeah. that has nothing to do with those circumstances. Amen. It gives you an identity in Jesus Christ. It reminds you, if you know Jesus, you are a child of the Father and a brother to the King and heirs to the kingdom. Everything is going to be given to you. You will one day rule and reign on the earth. And here's what's so beautiful, Tyler. You say, Neil, how do you know that the gospel lifts up the oppressed to feel that way? It's because that's exactly what so many slaves clung to in the midst of the tragedy that they were experiencing, the midst of the wickedness they were experiencing. They were clinging to the fact that one day God is going to deliver them out. One day they will rule and reign on the earth. And they clung to that gospel truth that got them through the circumstances of this life. And so, yeah, the gospel remedies our pride to think it's not us. The gospel remedies our pride to think that we've got everything figured out and everyone else is is just wrong. And then that prohibits us from being good teachers. Mm -hmm. And then the gospel lifts up the oppressed, reminding them that they are children of God. They are brothers of the king and they are heirs to, the, to his kingdom, and uh, there is nothing more glorious than that. So I know this was a kind of a heavy, yeah. you know, episode. We had to kind of think through some things. I hope that we've clarified a few things about white privilege, white guilt, responsibility, corporate sin. And, and um, it does go deeper. We, we touched on some things oh, that were... Uh, yeah, it goes real deep. You know, 
kind of a little more palpable, yeah. <laughs> I guess. But yeah. uh, you know, that it does go extremely deep. And if For you're sure. interested, then let's let's dig a little deeper. Yeah. You know, contact us. And we'll be able to do episodes where we'll be able to dive, you know, more into criminal justice and education and some of those types of things too. But we're trying to hit some broad, you know, topics right now to kind of make sure that we're, we're all on the same page moving forward. And then we can talk about, you know, some other things after that. So if you have stayed with us this entire episode, God bless you. Bless you. Thank you for joining (laughs) us. Um, We do it to hopefully be a, a blessing and hopefully to be a resource that you can use. Please like, share. Uh, when I say share, I mean if you're on Twitter and Facebook and you see that we post Instagram something too now. and Instagram, oh, wait, wait. yeah, that's right, we are on Instagram now. Instagram. Please share it so that other people, the more that it gets shared and the other more people like it, the more um, that it's going to appear through the algorithms, under algorithms on stuff. So please like, share, review, um, do all those things for us to, to promote the podcast as best you can. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us once again, and we'll see you next time. Late.